It's good to go. This is professional wrestling announcer and sports host, The Young Professor, and you are listening to the From Corner to Corner podcast. Welcome to the From Corner Corner Sports Center Edition. Woo, baby! Where we talk about all sports all the time. Not really. But we're going to today. We're going to talk about some sports today. We told you that we were going to change our format up, and it wasn't always going to be about pro wrestling. Yes, our first new episode was all about pro wrestling. That's okay, because it's our podcast. We'll do what we want to do. Well, I mean, it was fantastic WrestleMania weekend, so, I mean, we didn't really have a choice. I mean, there was so much that happened that we had to talk about it. Right. So, we're going to... Yes, we know the season has started. Okay, we understand that. But we're going to talk about... Baseball. We just had our fantasy baseball draft recently. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that. I know that's going to excite a lot of people. You're gonna you're gonna hear about how to put butts in the seats. <laughs> that's good stuff. So uh, you're gonna hear about how we thought our drafts went, and then we're gonna just talk about baseball season. Uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about March Madness that just wrapped up. Mm-hmm. Within the last uh, ten days, and then this part we're going to lead off with is LeBron James missing the playoffs for only the third time in his career. Two of the three times has been since he's been in L.A., including back-to-back years. No, missed the first year. Won the championship. Made the playoffs, got eliminated, missed the playoffs. Well, they were so bad last year, I thought they missed the playoffs too. So, I will say that he's, st- done, in, he's done in L.A., I think. He's got one more year. I'm, they're going to they're going move him. They're not going to move him. His tweet that he sent out on April Fool's Day was not very well received by the boss. I mean, to move him – it comes with a huge, huge price tag. He only has one year left on his contract. Nobody's going to take that on with the fact that he's not going to guarantee that he's going to re-sign. Yeah, because he wants to play with Bronny. Right. So, he's not going anywhere. I mean, he's literally finishing this season out, or finished the season out, trying to score as many points as he, as he was. I mean, he's not the same player that he normally is. He, like, it used to distribute the ball, try to get everybody involved. Mm-mm. This year he was trying to score as many points as he wanted because he wanted that scoring title. Right. So, I had this conversation earlier with somebody. Statistically, if you're just looking – because, you know, we've had this conversation on this show before about the greatest players of all time. And when you look at any sport, 
it, it, the, the question then becomes, how do you gauge who's the greatest player of all time? What is the criteria? You know, whenever we did our top 50 list, we came down, we came up with a loose criteria, but ultimately it just came down to who we liked better, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you can't do that and name greatest players. So if you're going off, you know, do you use championships? Do you use, you know, how their team performed? Do you use longevity? Do you use individual statistics? I tend to think individual statistics are probably the easiest way in team sports to uh, talk about the success of players because it's really hard to win championships. But when when it comes to the NBA, particularly. They always look at the fact that they always do that Jordan had the six titles. That Jordan has six titles, but nobody looks at the fact that LeBron was in the finals for nine straight years. Right, from eleven to twenty, he was in the finals all but one year. But statistically, when LeBron James retires, whenever that is, he's going to be the all-time leader in points, top three in assist, probably way up there in re- like all these categories. He's going to be way up statistically. He is the greatest player to ever play basketball. Yeah, and he's he's been able to relatively remain healthy. Uh, I went back and looked today at some of in '07 when he took the Cavaliers to the NBA championship, the NBA finals. They didn't go to the championship. My my, my apologies. The second best player was Zadrunas Elgauskas. Mm-hmm. Booby Gibson was on there. Okay, Drew Gooden was on there. Eric Snow started. Ira Newble, I believe Danielle Marshall. Like, those dudes are trash. That just shows you how bad the East was. Eh? How bad the East was and how good LeBron was. Yeah. I, and I have told you that when LeBron was in Cleveland the second time, that LeBron, if he's on the 0-7 team, wins the championship probably because uh-huh. he's that good. But it's kind of sad that a player that could go down and probably will as the greatest player of all time is like so checked out, and 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 he's so he's so hard headed. He's he he's definitely an alpha dog, and he doesn't want to take any responsibility for no, this. No, it's always other. And, you know, like Frank Frank Vogel. By the time this episode has come out, I expect Frank Vogel to have lost his job, the head coach of the Lakers. Okay, yeah. Um. So then we have you know who who's going to go coach L.A. Well, L.A. as one of the top two. NBA franchises of all time behind the you know them and the Celtics go back and forth who's number one. Yeah, that ought to be a dream job, but you got to put up with LeBron, you got to put up with Russell Westbrook because he has an enormous contract that nobody wants to take on. While the talent's there, I mean, you have LeBron, Russ, and AD, three of the best players, three top fifteen players in the league probably, mm-hmm. and you you can't make the playoffs. Yeah. And it's because LeBron wants to be a ball-dominant player. Well, buddy, you're 39 years old, okay? You've played for 20 years. It's time It's time to let Russ be the ball-dominant player. Let Russ facilitate. Russ has played the worst year he's ever had in his career. Because he's take, the ball's been taken I out mean, of his hands. I, he, he took a shot the other night I was watching. He literally hit the side of the backboard. From the three-point range. And I think it's legitimately because the ball's been taken out of his hands. Yeah. I I was just sitting there doing a, a, a grasp because, like you said, we're recording this prior to the playoffs starting. They traded all those star players away to 
New Orleans for Anthony Davis. And they traded draft picks. They they actually missing by missing the playoffs, they they don't have a first round draft pick this year. They lost it to New Orleans. Yeah. So the funny thing about that is New Orleans is without Zion Williamson the whole season. Mm-hmm. They're in the playoff hunt. Now they're going to have to do the play in. Yeah. But they're they're, above, they're above the Lakers. Yep. The rest of the players got traded to Washington for Russ. Washington's not making the playoffs, but they have a better record than the Lakers. There you go. With Kyle Kuzma and and uh, Pope and the yep. guys that they traded, and they played the whole year without Bradley uh, Beal. Bradley Beal. Yep. Who was hurt? So I mean. The two teams that you traded for their superstars are both better with the players you got rid of, mm-hmm. and they both did it without their superstars. Yep. And Bradley Bill wants to come back to Washington. He doesn't want to go anywhere else. Right. So he's probably going to resign with Washington. So you, so then you think maybe are the Lakers the one that bails Kentucky out? We were going to talk about March Madness. Is that the job attractive enough for John Calipari to leave his cushy job at Kentucky and 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 take his talents to SoCal? One could only hope. So, and I've had this conversation today with somebody. And then they'll probably go after John Shire from Duke, don't you think? Well, it's funny you mentioned Duke. I could also make a case for Coach K, who who retired from college basketball, to be the next coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. And I and and, and oh, I thought you was going to say the Kentucky. No. I was like, oh my god, no, uh, he'll never coach another college basketball game. I don't think, but I do I do see a scenario because. What we said earlier, the window for LeBron in L.A. is short. He's under contract next year, then he becomes an unrestricted free agent. Um, it depends on if Bronny gets to reclassify if he comes into the draft in, in, in 23 or if it's 24. If he reclassifies, he can come in 23. You know, he might, he might not. He may, may not. So you're looking at one, two years tops. So if you take a guy like, like Coach K, who has coached all these players, at the international level, won multiple gold medals. He's dealt with LeBron multiple times. Coach K's good enough that he could take the Laker job two years, probably get LeBron and Russ and AD, if, if AD can stay healthy, that's the big thing with him, to play really well together. If Coach K were to win an NBA championship, he, will ha- he would have won an NCAA title, multiple, an NBA title, and multiple international gold medals. Without a doubt, at that point, he becomes the greatest coach at any level of all time. Not going to happen. Oh, I don't think it will happen either. But I said I could make a case for that to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I do think John Calipari could happen. Because he keeps saying that he has the best job in the country. And I'm biased. I think Kentucky probably is the best job in the country. Right? Mm-hmm. At any level. But he will also remind you that he failed in the NBA. Well, we know he's an ego guy. He doesn't like to fail. It's the Lakers. So I think John Calipari fits really well with Hollywood. All right? You get the opportunity to coach LeBron James. He has a good relationship with LeBron James. You get the opportunity to, to coach Russ. That's, that's a, I would think that's a bonus. And then you get an opportunity to coach your best player that you've had since you've been at Kentucky, and Anthony Davis, who's better now than he ever was in college. 
I think the draw for John Calipari would be huge for him to leave Kentucky and go to L.A. He's got 52 million reasons why he wouldn't because because of the buyout. But if there's any place that could buy him out of his contract, it would be the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah. I don't think it happens. I think when the season tips off next year, John Calipari's on the sidelines in Lexington. But I could see a situation and a scenario where he where he takes Is his talents. Jason Kidd still the assistant there? Yes. Uh, that's probably the guy that takes the, the job. But my Doc Rivers' name gets brought up a lot. I think Doc Rivers is one of the most overrated coaches in the history of pro basketball. He's never done anything except win one title with Boston when they had with Hall, three Hall of Famers. Four, if you count Rondo. Yeah, I think Rondo's a Hall of Famer. Probably. Um. Yeah, and it's like, but all you did was win one. You didn't win multiple. Yeah, because there's a dude named LeBron James that was in his way. Right, and it's like, come on, man! Like when he uh, wasn't that when the Pistons were really good too. Um, but his name gets brought up, and he's like, "Well, he has good relations." Whoever takes that job has to be able to stand up to LeBron. You have to. Uh-huh. Um, I think K could, because K has. I think Cal probably could. Um. I don't know that Doc Rivers can or can't, but I was just thinking of a way that, uh, you know, because I, the, the, this, this conversation I had today turned into when John Calipari came to Kentucky in 2010, he changed college basketball. College basketball has changed again, and he stayed the same. He's tried to do and, – and he's stubborn. To the point that we're going to do it my way and make my way work. Well, your way doesn't work anymore. The The game's not the same. He's not got to the point that Saban was when he was getting run off the field by all these high-octane offenses and he was, he was hell-bent on just running the ball with an average mediocre quarterback. Right. Until he goes out and gets Tua yep. and, and, and Jalen Hurts. Right. And now uh, – uh, I can't even think of the kid's name that's there now. But anyways – when he made when he brought Kiffin in and made the changes to the offense, then it 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 changed his philosophy right. and and put them out there to where they're a high octane offense now. Well, they had Mac Jones that year well, too. Well, we have, but Cal's not got to that point. He's not figured out. Well, the NBA now the game of basketball is a three and D game. You yeah. got to be able to shoot three pointer. You can, you got to be able to play defense. Everybody everywhere has guys that can drive the lane. That's that's just what – those guys are a dime a dozen. Yeah. We don't run – in, and I say we. When I say we, I'm talking about Kentucky, okay? Right. I don't – I've told you I didn't watch – combined, I didn't watch a complete game of anything in, in the NCAA tournament. I did watch very few games all season of anybody. But I kept up enough with everybody, okay, to know that – Kentucky runs no offense. They don't run an inbounds play. Um, their defense is pretty lackluster. And they tr- they don't get their shooters open. We let Wheeler and Washington dribble about 10 or 15 seconds off the clock, and then they made a move to the basket. Which makes what Oscar Sheboy did this season that much more impressive. Uh-huh. 
This is a guy who couldn't get on the floor in West Virginia for whatever reason. I don't know. But then sweeps the Player of the Year awards, won all six. Mm-hmm. Convincingly. Yeah, like unanimous. Yes. He's only the second Kentucky player to win a unanimous, and the other one was Anthony Davis. Well, actually, and Anthony Davis wasn't unanimous in all six. Draymond Green beat him for Player of the Year uh, in one of them. But so he's and the, the Wooden Award is what anyway the, the Wooden yeah. Award yes, um, but he I I think he's the first Kentucky player to ever win all six. I, I don't know how many players have won all six of any like, uh, and there's a strong possibility that if they if they approve the NIL for the foreign players that he comes back, he probably does. He probably does come back because he's going to make a couple million dollars because they don't have any. They're they're broke like. Right, his family has nothing. His family has nothing. So, at this point, you get the NIL approved. Right. He's coming back to Kentucky because right. he wants to. So. But if not, he's gone. I think. And Ty Ty's gone. Well, Ty Ty declared today inside mm-hmm. an agent. Uh, we knew we knew Ty Ty was going to be gone. Uh, Shaden Sharp will be next. He uh, never even played. Never played. Um, and I might be surprised by that. But I think. Before we move on to talk about the NCAA tournament as a whole, I think the John Calipari to Los Angeles thing is very intriguing, and it's something to keep an eye on. I think mm-hmm. that it, I think it could happen if there is an NBA job that could bring him away from Lexington. I think the Lakers are the job. Yeah, Anthony Davis and LeBron James could probably do that. I think so. Solid take on that one. I like that. You're welcome. We could only hope. And so, I know, and I wanted to go that route because I know how you feel about it. Hey, he's a phenomenal recruiter. Well, I will he say, cannot coach in game. Can't do it. Well, but, he can get guys to play together, love each other, cherish each other. That only gets you so far. But when, but to get beat by St. Peter's when they just physically outplayed you, I have with no NBA players on their team. I have. For a long time, defended John Calipari, um, and even I, who don't, I don't watch all that often. But like I said, I keep up with a lot. I'm to a point now, and it's not just recent, but it's start like you can't defend him anymore because you like coming into the season. If you look at their roster, they should have been able to do everything. They went out and spent money, brought back Antigua, brought in Chin Coleman. Last year, he went and hired Jay Lucas, who's one of the best recruiters around. You know, you put all the pieces in place, but it's still the same result. Mm-hmm. And that's because Cal's too stubborn to change himself. So unless Cal changes, it's the same old, same old. If Cal changes and makes the changes necessary to – to to change the trajectory, Kentucky still they still have a loaded roster. Cal has a system, and it only works if every single piece of the machinery is in the right spot at the right moment. Yeah, and that's the only way it works. So he has he has to be able to change. If not, again, Cal got that lifetime contract. His buyout currently is fifty-two million dollars. It goes down six million every year. So he's still years away from being fired at Kentucky. But I will say that if things don't start changing, the seat will continually to get hotter. Yeah, 
and before long the pressure is going to get to you well, and you're going to yeah going out and losing as a two seed to a 15 seed turn the heat up quite a bit well at least from the fan standpoint so l- use that as a segue into the NCAA tournament two teams that Kentucky blew out wasn't even a game beat them by a combined 49 points yep we're in the national championship yep so and both of those teams when they played Kentucky were not very good at that time they were not and they got better from yeah. that point. Kentucky, well, when they Kansas, beat Kansas, got Remy Martin back. When Kentucky beat Kansas at Fog Allen, Kentucky never got better. Yeah. Um, so that leads us into the national championship game. North Carolina surprised everybody, made it to the national championship game, proceeded to blow a 16 point lead. I didn't watch the game, Sean. Did you? I did. How did that happen? Well, Kansas basically did the same thing against Miami in the Elite Eight. Okay. Miami dominated the first half, was up six, eight points at, at, at halftime, and when they came out in the second half, their defense was more intense, their shooting was on point. I saw Kansas play several times throughout the, the tournament. Bill Self, unlike Calipari – is really good at halftime adjustments. And earlier in the tournament, when North Carolina beat Baylor, they had Baylor down 25 points in the second half. Let them come all the way back to tie the game. They couldn't, I mean, they were so rattled. Now, look, Hubert Davis is a rookie head coach with a team that, wasn't supposed to be that good, but he got those guys to play and believe and got them, I mean, heck, they beat Duke in one of the greatest Final Four games that that I've ever seen. Yeah. And when, when the game started against Kansas, it looked like North Carolina was just going to run away with it. Yep. Remy Martin, I just mentioned him a second ago, he transferred from Arizona State, Okay. It was a huge get for them. Yep. However, he never really flourished until the tournament. Mm -hmm. He had only scored two, or he had only had two games above 10 points the entire season. Yep. He was hurt a big part, and then he gets to the tournament. And, and is one of the key pon- components to them winning the national championship. Coming off the bench, averaging double digits in the in the tournament. Right. And then Abaji was phenomenal. He's their big man, right? No, he's the, the, the wing. Okay. The, the wing shooter. Okay. And then McCormick is the big guy. McCormick. And, and, and people are like, he's not an NBA guy. Dude, I mean – he was great around the ring. Well, and here's the thing. <laughs> around the ring. Around the rim. See, that's the wrestling. We told you we're yeah. wrestling guys. Yeah. Uh, that's the thing in college is I'm not asking you to be an NBA guy. Yeah. I'm asking you to be a really good college guy. Right. And you need guys like the, the McCormick kid. Yeah. Uh, because when – it's from what I can tell about the game. Of course, we were we we were we were camping. I had I had I had zero service. So what I can what I picked up was North Carolina lost their big kid. I think he got hurt, right? Yes. And then, again, like he turned the same ankle, right? And then McCormick 
just took over. Just took over at that point. Yeah. Because they and had nobody to stop it was towards the end of the game. It was only about three minutes or so to go, but there was literally nobody to stop him at that point. Right. They, they had uh, – they had the white boy from North Carolina, the transfer, Matic or Matic or Matic. Well, I can't even think of his name. Who's a phenomenal shooter, but they had him trying to match up against McCormick. Right. He couldn't do it. He right. just couldn't do and, it. And 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 they just got they just got overpowered. I hate that because uh, it because it was a good run that North Carolina was on. Um, as you said, the Duke North Carolina Final Four game, fantastic. You said maybe the greatest one you've seen. I personally think the greatest Final Four game I saw was last year was Gonzaga versus UCLA. Oh, phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, but I, I wouldn't put Duke North Carolina over that. No, I don't think I would either. Yeah. Um, I know I'm in the minority. I was rooting for Coach K. Um, I think he's the you know I talked about him earlier. I think he's already the greatest college coach of all time. I, it would have been kind of cool for him to go out with a national championship. Um, but it was it, – I mean, it was odd that they said – because I did tune in the last, I think, two minutes of that game. We were watching WrestleMania, and uh, Adam had gone silent. And, and you know, Wes was like, Adam, you okay? Like, you know, y'all were taking jabs at him. So I'm like, well, I'm really missing something. So I, I watched the last two minutes. And I found an interesting fact. Kay's first and last loss came at the hands of North Carolina. Yeah. That's amazing. And that game was the hundredth game, and he ends with a fifty and fifty record. With a fifty fifty record against North Carolina. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, obviously, I mean, they talk about that being the greatest rivalry, and and I, I find it hard to believe that North Carolina Duke is definitely like if we ever did a Mount Rushmore of rivalries, it has to be it's on the Rushmore for sure. Well, and you think about it. And I told you, going into the Final Four, we don't have a Final Four like we, we do, uh, like we had this year very often. Four Blue Bloods. Yeah. Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, and Villanova, who, like it or not, is a Blue Blood. Oh, yeah. I mean, they've been in they've been in the Final Four three out of the last six years and won two national championships. Since 2016, they've won, they've won two national titles. And that's one tournament that they didn't have. Right. And they were missing one of their key components. One of their starters. Who and, and they he, still and they still almost beat Kansas. When he tore his Achilles, you and I were texting, and we said that kid just tore his Achilles. Yeah, like because you could literally see it pop. Yeah. Um, so as a whole, what did you think about the the NCAA tournament? I thought that it was one of the better NCAA tournaments that we've had in a long time. I agree. Right. You 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 had the. You had the North Carolina beat the number one Baylor yep. in a phenomenal basketball game, yep. even though it was two completely different halves. You got the St. Peter's, who it wasn't just the fact that they beat Kentucky, but then they turned around and beat the Murray State Racers, who who we thought uh, might beat Kentucky. Yeah, and then they turned around and beat Purdue. Right, and and we said going into that, listen, this is the end of their run. Like yeah. Purdue's got size. They're not going to be able to match up with them. Purdue comes out, starts the game 7-0, dominant. Mm-hmm. And I looked at Cassie, and I was like, well, here it is. They finally they finally hit their matchup. And then they run off 10 straight points. Like, uh-oh. And I'm like, we talked about it every time that they played a game. And what ultimately got them against North Carolina, you let them in the game. Mm-hmm. You left them in the game. Everybody and else had. North or uh, Kentucky. Could just never get away from them. Nope. It was always 
three, four points. And really, to be honest with you, Murray State never, to me, ever had a chance to beat St. I, Peter's. I think they were out. Yep. <laughs> I mean, from the very beginning, St. Peter's dominated that game. Right. And then Purdue got the took took the early gave them the early punch, and then and then they stayed in the game. The big men got in foul trouble. Both of their big guys were in foul trouble, which that was the whole thing. Like, well, these guys, you know, St. Peter's won't. Well, it was the reverse effect. Right, because the one thing you always hear is you can't teach size. Right. And, and then Purdue's uh, point guard, you know, superstar point guard, couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. Right. But that's what happened with St. Peter's is these teams, I feel like, all three of those teams overlooked St. Peter's. Mm-hmm. And they thought, well, that was just a fluke. North Carolina said not us. Yeah, North Carolina came in and, and you know, Hubert Davis is like, well, just look at the fact. This, this is the first ever 15 seed to ever be in the Elite Eight. Mm-hmm. Are we going to overlook these guys? And we going to let them go to the Final Four? Yeah, and, I mean, North Carolina come out and just smacked them in the mouth. And, and, and just continued to smack yeah, them in the mouth. It was never a ball game. Never a ball game. But, feel good story, you get – you get Shaheen Holloway, yeah, who uh, the Seton Hall alum, yeah, now gets to go to Seton Hall, yeah, because their but, coach left, went to Maryland, and the last time a New Jersey school was in the Elite Eight was Seton Hall, was Seton Hall, and he just so happened to be the point guard he was on the that starting team. point guard of that team. Yeah, it, it is a really good feel feel good story. Shaheen Holloway is not overrated as a head coach and can do something. With he's Seton one Hall. of those guys that's easy to root for. Yeah, um, he doesn't get excited. He's not a yeller, not a screamer. Um, and he's just he's an easy guy to root for. So that that's gonna be a really cool story. Yeah, Mo- moving on. I, I I did two separate brackets. Uh-huh. I picked Arizona to win in the one that I thought I would be the most competitive in, and then we might realize that the fact that Arizona's head coach come from Gonzaga, so Arizona might just be a more high high profile Gonzaga because. They did almost exactly the same thing that Gonzaga does. Right. They run through the regular season and then they get to the tournament and they struggle to, you know, I mean, Gonzaga lost that game. I don't remember who beat them at this point. Arkansas. Wasn't Ar- it? Oh, yeah, Arkansas. And they were really never in that game. No, Arkansas uh, I mean, put it on them. And, I mean, you know, and Arkansas has got Eric Musselman, who I think is a fantastic coach. Yeah. He gets – he does some – he, I think he does some questionable things. There was a dunk at the end of that game after the game was over. Yeah. Um, Gonzaga had pulled Timmy. When 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 you pull Drew Timmy, who's the heart and soul of your team, then you're waving the white flag. It's over. Right. And they got. I, I thought it was kind of kind of classless the dunk they got at the end. Yeah. But listen, those guys. First time in that moment, they weren't. You know, I right. understand why it happened. I just don't think it was the best thing. But I think. Um, Musselman's one of those names that whenever you see some of these bigger jobs open, I think his name's going to be a yeah. uh, popular and, choice. And Musselman, Musselman, when he was at Nevada, he was in that transfer portal. He made the transfer portal, transfer portal cool mm-hmm. before it was cool. Right. Right. He was in that when he was at Nevada because those guys were always well, they always had transfers. And uh, they played the Cats in the tournament. His last year, last year or two at Nevada, and uh, there was a lot of people thought Nevada was going to upset the Cats. Of course, they they didn't end up doing it, but um, he turned he turned Nevada into a program. It, he's turning uh, Arkansas into a program. Well, I mean that's back to back years in the Elite Eight, right? So he's knocking right there on the Final Four door. 
Uh, of course, that's great for the SEC. Uh, then, of course, in the NIT, you had Xavier win. Uh, they had a um, they had a interim coach because they fired their coach. Sean Miller re- is returning to Xavier. Um, and well, and you had Mississippi State or not Mississippi uh, Texas A M in the finals against them. They did. Well, I mean, who pretty much ran through the tournament until they got to Xavier, right? Uh, and then the Xavier interim coach wins the NIT, and then he gets the job at Georgia State. So uh, he's he's an Atlanta native going back to Georgia State. You and I have talked that uh, we love the NCAA tournament. Yeah, it's there's so many there's so many storylines, so many interesting things. Uh, you know, you you learn about guys like Shaheen Holloway. Um, what's the Doug uh, Doug Ebert Ed. I mean, he got a he got an NIL deal with Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> I mean, there's such cool things that come out of the NCAA tournament, and sometimes it's chalk all the way through, and they're not exciting. I mean, yeah. you know, who wants to see Duke and North Carolina and Kansas and maybe Kentucky and like it kind of gets old after a while seeing those teams. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, you know, I I think even though the, I didn't, the tournament was very well balanced this year. I think so, and it's you know it's one of those things that it's it's just fun. And then of course they've already started with the way too early top twenty fives, and I think that's what makes college basketball and college football kind of the so fun is that we already go on and try to project how yeah. things are going into the upcoming season. So. Yeah. Um, there's lots of things to pay attention to. I, there's going to be lots of moving parts. I mean, you had UCLA and UCLA, LSU, in a matter of four weeks, fired their head coach and lost every member of the team. Yeah, eleven. I, the, I saw like yesterday the eleventh member of their team had went into the transfer portal. Right. So they, there's like there's like over three hundred and something people in the transfer portal. Transfer portal is basically the college version of free agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw where Kentucky reached out to the kid from uh, Moorhead State, a uh, big big guy on the inside. He, he has said there was five or six schools, kind of Kentucky, that have reached out to him. He hadn't even put his name in the transfer portal yet. It's just the fact that the head coach left and went to LSU. Right. And no, that was that was Murray State's head coach. Moorhead State still has their head coach. Oh, Moorhead State. Yeah. I was thinking Murray State. So, Sorry. but I mean, so the fact that. We have now schools that are reaching out to kids and be like, hey, we'd be interested in you. What do you think about entering the transfer portal? Like, Yeah. So, it's becoming free agency. That's got to be changed. Well, it, either either let's change it and go back to more traditional rules or let's forego the NCAA and let's make it what it is and make them, make them professional athletes. Yeah. I mean, one, we can't do this in between. Yeah. Well, and the NIL is getting involved with this transfer stuff, too. Yep. You know, I mean, how else does does Deion Sanders land the number one recruit at Jacksonville State? Yep. Shouldn't have done it, but he did. Yeah. So, man, we've come out of the gate swinging. Yeah. Speaking of swinging, nice baseball. uh, Roosevelt shirt you have there. Rocking my guy. Yeah. Well, I guess technically he's your guy. And, because in, you in won't fantasy baseball, anyways. You won't trade him to me. I will not. I've tried. Yes. And I'll continue and to you try. You and a lot of other people. 
You can you can have at him in three more years when he drops off the <laughs> off my free agency list. And we're talking about since we don't have video on our audio podcast, we're talking about none other than Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Yeah, who is just a gifted player. He he came in with a lot of hype. Yeah. In the beginning, it did not seem like he was going to live up to that hype. But man, has he not? Has he turned it on the last couple of seasons? Well, COVID hit, mm-hmm. and he didn't have anything else to do. And instead of going the wrong direction and gaining more weight, he got in shape. He got in shape and yep. lost like forty-five pounds. Yep. Come into spring training last year, ripped and jacked. Yep. And hit about forty-eight home runs last year, I think. Yeah, somewhere in that in that neighborhood. And 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 had it not been for Shohei, Shohei Otani, he would have won the MVP. And I am a uh, Blue Jays fan, not naturally. I, I I was one of these people that didn't really have a baseball team. I've not ever really been a huge baseball fan. Um. If it was on, I would sit down and watch it. I know growing up, uh, I watched a lot of Braves games because they were always on TBS. Uh, I watched a lot of Cubs games Hence because why I'm a Braves fan because they were on WGN, um, and it seemed like the Yankees were always on ESPN. So yeah, those are the three teams growing up that I always watched a lot. Um, moving up to Mount Sterling, you know everybody up here seems to be Cincinnati Reds fans, uh, and I'd go to some Reds games, and yeah, it's cool. But I wasn't attached to them. So, if we backtrack a little bit, you started a fantasy baseball league here at the church how long ago? Oh, gosh. I would say somewhere around 2014. We started coming to church here in 2013. So, yeah, I would say somewhere around 2014. So, I was in the initial league. Yes. And you for just the draft only. You, well, I played for about a month after that, <laughs> but I, you knew that I was a sports guy. We weren't friends. We weren't really. I wouldn't call us friends then. Yeah, acquaintances. And I ended up bowing out. And I, but I've told you that the reason I did that is because I didn't really understand fantasy baseball. Yeah. I came in with a fantasy football mindset. And it's two totally different things. Right. So, I was out for a few years, several years, and then an opening came up mid-season a few years ago, and you asked me if I'd be interested in taking the team over. Yeah. And I did. And even not knowing much about baseball. Now, now taking into consideration, you took over a team that was at the bottom of the league. Bad. Yeah. Like, we have ten. We we keep ten of our thirty players on our roster from year to year. Right. I don't even think you kept ten because you didn't have ten viable. Keepers. No, I ended up keeping ten, but they were bad. Yeah. So, well, you we have limited numbers of moves that we make per week. Right. Well, we at six. Well, we're at seven now. At that time, we were at four. We're at seven because of me. Right. Because. The day I took over the team, I used all four of my moves because the dude that I took it over from had injured players that were still in the starting lineup. Yeah. So it took two two or three weeks for me to cycle through all those guys. To, to just fill a roster. Right. So we bumped it up to seven, and I've been hooked ever since. I, I love it. 
I actually told you that I like fantasy baseball more than I like fantasy football. Yeah. And people think that's crazy. They're like, well, it's you know, you gotta mess with it every day and you got and I'm like, I look at my fantasy football lineup every day. Yeah. And it's one day a week. Right. Like I'm always looking at my fantasy football lineup. So but the reason I like it is because I have Garrett Cole, for example. He's uh, he is the pitcher for the Yankees. If Garrett Cole goes out Friday against the Red Sox and gets shelled, my week's not over. Right. Because I have other games, other guys. Garrett Cole will get to pitch again in this in this first cycle. So I'll get right. Garrett Cole pitching twice. Right. I can overcome that. Right. But if you have <clears throat> if you have Aaron. Rodgers as mm-hmm. your quarterback, mm-hmm. and he gets hurt on the third play of the game. You're done. That's a zero, right? Right, or or more than like, most likely a zero. Or if 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 you have Tyreek Hill, yeah, and Tyreek Hill gets no targets, then you take a zero, like right, and you're done for. And when you're counting on him to, well, I mean, most weeks this past year, Tyreek Hill was projected close to thirty points every week. Yeah. Okay, well, you need those 30 points. You need at least 20? Because if you take a zero from him, that means everybody else has to make up for that 30 points. Right, and it's just not going to happen. And you got to assume that the other team's players are not going to go off because you, you only have 10 guys most of the time in fantasy football that are going to be playing. Right. You, you have to get 10-plus points out of every one of those players to be competitive. Right. But if a batter – Goes out and he's 0 for 4 today. He's still got six more games this week, or five, at least five more games this week. Right. It's accumulative points through a seven day span. Right. And we're competing in head to head categories. So this year we bumped up to 12 different categories. Right. And they're all like there's six batting categories, six pitching categories. Won't go into them because it really pertains to nothing. Right. For you guys. But we're competing against each other in those six categories. At the end of the week, I could be 12 to nothing. I could be 0 and 12. Or anywhere in between. Or anywhere in between. So, I take over this team midseason. Obviously, I'm trash. I don't make the playoffs. The next year's COVID. We have a shortened year. Mm -hmm. And I end up making the playoffs. The following year, so 2020, I make the playoffs. The following year, I'm the hottest team in the league to start the year out. Right. And then I just start sucking eggs. Yeah. I, I go cold. Yeah. I I limp into the playoffs as the eight seed. Eight teams make the playoffs. I upset the number one seed. Right. And I don't know that he'd been beat straight up all year long. And the crazy part about it is this going into the last week of the season, I was in first place. Uh-huh. And – I think it was maybe a two-game difference between me and him. I wind up going six and four the last week, I think, and I think he went nine and one. Or he beat you by half a game. Yeah, he 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 got the half of the he got the number one seed by half a game. Yeah, and I think he went eight one and one. And that would have been so. That would have been me and you. Well, so that's what I was going to lead yeah. into. Something that you don't know about Sean and I in fantasy sports. When you look at playoff projections, we're always, <laughs> no matter what the person, other person does, we're always projected to play each other. Yeah, and it's so funny because we'll be, we'll be the 2-7, and then one of us will drop to third, 
and the other one will move up to six. And it's like, and it's like, or four or five, <laughs> or you know. So it's really funny. Or then for a week, one of us will flip, and I'm like, okay, like baseball. No, it was football this past year. I jump up to the other side of the bracket. I'm like, great, here we go. Yeah, and then and then I went on a run, and then you go on a run, and then I'm like, we're playing each other again. Yeah, it. I think as long as I'm playing fantasy sports, I'll never be able to get away from you in the playoffs. <laughs> well, hey, that just says something about our ability to play fantasy sports, right? So, I take over this terrible team. I have – I mean, you were looking at the rosters prior to the draft this year. I have one player. You have two, two players. players that I yeah. that I had on my roster. And I didn't in, even have these two players. In, in 2020. I picked them up yeah. after I took over the team. Yeah, yeah. In 20. 20- like what I was looking at before the season was the keeper list from 2020, that was Bo Bichette and Casey Mize, who had yet to make his debut. I carried Casey Mize for a long time. Yeah. Without him pitching. Yeah. So. And you picked up Bo Bichette because I was out of moves. And you didn't have anybody moves. And and I, and I knew that he was coming up because yeah. I had a like I just had this thought that he was going to come up. And I didn't want anybody else in the league to have him. So you so text I me. text him and I said, you need to go pick up And Bo I said, Bichette. who do I drop? And you said, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Just go pick him up. It's like you're not making the playoffs anyway. It doesn't matter. Just just pick him up. Your team's trash. Go. Yeah. go. So yeah. I did. And he is – we do contracts in fantasy baseball. And I put a star contract on him. Yeah. We've adjusted our contracts this year. We used to have two star contracts. And we only have one. Um, Bo Bichette's not coming off the star contract. Right. Right. With this fan, like this fantasy baseball league, I, I play in three different fantasy baseball leagues. Yeah, by far this is my favorite one. This is my baby, yeah. right? I created this thing. Right. I've been champion three times. Right, I'm on a cold streak. Been a little bit since I've won. I was the like I really feel like I was the best team in in the league last year, but in a matter of two weeks, I lost Ronald Acuna, Jacob Degrom, Shane Bieber. And Matt Boyd, arguably four of my best players. I mean, three of the best players in in all of baseball. Right, and I lost them for the rest of the season. Right, and you just can't overcome that. Right, and so I'm limping into the playoffs with replacements, and there's no replacements for those guys. Right. Well, and you talked about moving to twelve categories. Part of the reason we went to twelve categories is because my gripe, yeah, is that I never got beat. Right. I beat Dennis. Right. Who was the number one seed? I tie DJ, Jim. I tie Jim. Yeah, Jim had the higher seed. So Jim had the higher seed, so that was that's how the third. So and then I get and then whoever I played in the in the third place game, I guess it was you. Yeah, I didn't lose that one. Right, I think we tied. Right, but I had the higher seed. You had the higher seed, so you yeah. won. So like. That that that's the tiebreaker in ESPN fantasy baseball. The, the default is, tiebreaker is, is whoever has the highest seeding is the automatic winner. So the reason that we went to from uh, ten to twelve categories, we added two more percentage based categories. Can we still wind up with a six six tie? We can, but it's going to be really hard to tie in. Six different categories. Because six of the categories now are percentage-based. Right. If you tie in three or four of those and you wind up 6-6, six, six, well, then that's just rare. But, it, like, we've seen it multiple times that WHIP and ERA and OBP right. be tied. Right. I highly doubt we're going to get that in 
some of this other stuff. Right. So it's a lot of fun. I enjoy playing it. Um, I mean, since we've been recording, I've looked at my lineup at least three times. <laughs> Nothing's changed. It's kind of like when you go to the refrigerator and open the door. And you look, and you close it, and you go sit down, and you come back five minutes later, open the door again. It's like, is there something in there I didn't see the first time? Right. Like, when I pull it up in a second, I know nothing's changed. Right. But I just want to make sure. Right. Of course, I went on a self-imposed trade ban. <laughs> right. Because we have some players in our league who don't like to make trades unless they can take full advantage of you. Right. And I had one guy. Don't uh, disrespect Neil, when it comes to a trade-off. Because I, I, I will blow you off. Yeah. Like, you'll be done. You're, like, you're dead to me. Yeah. So the reigning champ tried to take advantage of me. Yeah. with I mean, without mincing words, tried to take advantage of me. And I felt disrespected. I felt like in my time back in the league, I have earned the right to be treated fairly. Yeah. And I felt like he was treating me like Trey. <laughs> Don't Trey me. Yeah. All right? I feel like I have earned the respect that I should. you should be able to. And I'm also a big believer, if you and I are talking out a deal, and you say, yeah, I think I'll do that, then to me, that's a done deal. Right. Don't back out of it at that point. Yeah. We have another guy in the league who's done that, and he started the no-trade list. Yeah. And he was the only member for a long time. Then I put the whole league on the no-trade list. Yeah. So then, and I said, I'm, I'm just not trading. I'm not doing it. Friday's breaking news. Jacob DeGrom gets hurt. Is it going on the hour? And is going on the hour. Now, Jacob DeGrom is my guy. He's the best pitcher in baseball. When, when healthy, he's the best yeah. pitcher in baseball. The way my team is built. This season, yes. This season. I have a lot of expensive contracts. So, a lot of high-end, upper-round players. I didn't have a pick until the seventh round. I only kept four pitchers. One of them was Jacob DeGrom. Right. I felt like it would be hard for me to build my roster losing a key cog like him and then my first pick being in the seventh round with middle of the road. Like, I'm not replacing Jacob DeGrom in the seventh round. Right. Not gonna. It's not going to happen. Right. So, you... Said just I would kind be, of like I would be like, interested in Degrom, and your first response to that is, "What about your no trade embargo?" Yeah. And then and you go, "Yes, but if I have the chance to get a Jacob Degrom, I'm gonna try." Right. So we talked out a couple of different scenarios. I was I was taking one of your pitchers. I really wanted that third round pick that you had. I was willing to give you Jacob DeGrom in my first available pick that I had, which I think wound up being in the sixth round. Seventh round. Seventh round. Because your seven picks moved up one. So, right. it ended up seventh round. And to and to look at our draft pool, giving up my third round pick was a sticking point. Yeah. And actually, I told you Saturday, I don't think I can do it. Right. I mean, we're sitting at the draft table – we haven't made the first pick yet. You look at me and go, let's do it. Right. I, I'm like, what? And you go, the trade. And I'm like, uh, uh, uh. Because I had basically already just come to a realization that I was going to keep DeGrom 
because I debated on throwing him back, but I had nobody I could replace him right. with. Off well, I mean, so in the seventh round, there were two pitchers who were not kept. Actually, it looks like there are two. Uh, well, Otani is in the seventh round. There were two pitchers drafted. Nathan Avaldi. Mm-hmm. If you don't know anything about baseball, he's middle of the road at best. Yeah. And then the second pitcher drafted was Sonny Gray. Yeah. Neither one of those guys are near Jacob DeGrom's level. Right. So, I gave you a pitcher, a good young pitcher. Yep. You got my third-round pick. I got an injured Jacob DeGrom and the seventh-round pick. Yeah. I was kind of bummed about that seventh-round pick. Did you turn him into Matt Chapman? I turned him into Matt Chapman, who is projected to have the most home runs on my team. Yeah. And and I took Corey Seager, who I needed a shortstop at in, right. in the third round. Because, and the reason I did that, there wasn't a pitcher available in the third round that was as valuable as Corey Seager. Right. And I didn't have to have a pitcher as bad because I got Ty, uh, uh, what's his, what's Trevor right? Rogers. Trevor Rogers. Breakout pitcher for the Marlins. Yeah. So I had kind of filled that void. In the grand scheme of things, I got a lot of the guys that I was targeting late. Right. And I was I'm pretty happy with my team. You know, I I I told Trey this the other night. I think as far as the starting lineup of bats go, I think I have the best stack in the league. I would agree with that. Now, my pitching is suspect. I've got some good pitchers, and I've got some medium the ro- mid- middle of the road pitchers. If I get anything out of my middle to lower end pitchers, and my top tier pitchers stay healthy, I'm gonna be a tough out this year. I think your bats are going to uh, determine be determined by Ronald Acuna's health. Yes, looks when, like he's a couple of weeks out. When he comes back, if he can stay healthy, and if Tyler O'Neill, God, I hate that guy. <laughs> if Tyler O'Neill is real. Can, can repeat. Yeah. And the reason I hate Tyler O'Neill is I had this dude no less than three times last year, okay? I was filling spots. Okay, I'll pick up Tyler O'Neill, And he would basically stink it up. I'd drop him. The next week, I'd pick Tyler O'Neill up. Now, but, but don't forget, he would hit three home runs after you drop him. Yes. So and then, then I, you'd pick him back up. I'd pick up. him back up. Ice cold. Drop him. More home runs. I think I picked him up three times. Finally, you needed an outfielder. You picked up Tyler Because I lost Ronald Acuna. Yeah. And he goes off. He turns into Roger Maris. Yeah. Yeah. I hate that guy. I mean, he hit 20-plus home runs. After you picked him up. After I picked him up. I mean, he was the best player in my lineup. Right. Him him and uh, Vlad Jr., like – Every night. Back and forth. Yeah. It it was crazy. I mean, I, I don't know how many games he hit two or three home runs. I hate that guy. So, so I kept him on a star deal. You did. You did. So, I have – but part of what I've done in this league is last year I instituted a different draft strategy. I did not draft a single relief pitcher. You didn't. So, by not drafting a relief pitcher, I was basically punting one category. Yeah. On uh, holds. That's for those non-baseball people. That's when a pitcher comes in at the end of the game, and holds the lead. Holds the lead. Yeah, we don't count saves. We count. Well, they're they're together. Save holds. They 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 count together. So that that was one of our ten categories. The reason you skipped that is is because Darren kept 
picking off your reliever every time you wanted to pick one, right. he picked them. So after about twice of that happening, I was like, I forget it. I'm not drafting any relief pitchers. So yeah. I, I instituted the all starting pitchers all the time. Method. Now, I'll be honest with you. There's been three championships won in this league by punting and punting that. I won two of them back to back by not having a single closer. Yep. And then DJ won last year with with that strategy as well. Right. It doesn't always work. And it's going to get harder with the with the with with, with, with the, the categories that we added. Yeah. But I went in this year with the exact and well, there were three of us this year that drafted that way. Yeah. So well, I think DJ actually wound up. Getting a closer? By a, getting a couple. Okay, so then me and Trey are the only two. Yeah. So so two of us went that way. But uh, I'm, I, I'm glad that you brought Darren up. So I told you, early on when I was talking draft strategy, I was looking at the catcher from the Philadelphia Phillies. His name's J.T. Riamuto. Mm-hmm. And my initial thought was, do you think he would – should I take him in the second – or do you think he'll be there in the third? And you're like, man, I don't, I don't know. I don't think he'll be there in the third. So I don't take him in the second. I take, I take the shortstop that I wanted. I give you my third round pick. I don't have a fourth round pick. And we do a snake type draft. So down, back, down, back. So we, I was coming back down because I was, I was at the tail end of the draft. So I was coming back down in the fifth round. And it's getting closer to my pick. And I look, and we're at pick six. And Trey doesn't take JT Riamuto. And there's two people before me, and I'm like, I'm going to get JT Riamuto because one of the two doesn't have a pick in the sixth round. And I'll be danged if Darren doesn't snipe me again. (laughs) And he says it so nonchalantly, well, I reckon I'll take JT Riamuto. I had a pocket knife in my pocket. Oh, wait, you forget, though. You said, Darren. I pulled the pocket knife out. If you take who I think you, if you take who I want, I'm going to cut you. I'm going to cut you. And then it's silent for a minute, and he goes, well, I guess I'm going to take JT Real Muto. And you were just like, if looks could kill, he would have melted in his chair. I mean, you burned a hole through him, and the whole place just erupted laughing. You know, and the crazy part about it, I, I, the the minute that happened, I'm like, oh, man, I took his third round pick, and I said that would have been a good that he would have probably took him there. But know? I ended up with Cody Bellinger from the Dodgers. I actually like that pick better. Yeah. So I think I ended up with a better pick, but. Man, I never thought I would like fantasy baseball as much as I do. Uh, it makes me follow along. I, I've become a fan of the Toronto Blue Jays. Well, we talk about it about as much as we do wrestling. Uh, that's because of the Bo Bichette pickup. Yeah. I, I started following you know, that, that's that, That's been my guy. Yeah. So I'm like, well, if I'm going to follow Bo Bichette, I might as well follow the team. So I've become a Toronto Blue Jays fan. Yeah, I know. A hick boy from Kentucky who's never made it past. I mean, I've been to... Columbus, Ohio. I don't know that I've been any higher than Columbus, Ohio. Um, rooting for a team from from Canada, eh? Yeah. But uh, you know, I'm an a hole. So why not root for the Toronto Blue Jays? Hey, they're they're a cool team to root for. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan of Vlad Jr. So I've had him on my team for a while. So let's talk. In, instead of a Rushmore per se, let's ask. We'll do World Series. 
Who we think is going to win the World Series? Who we think is going to win MVP? Who we think is going to win Cy Young? And who's going to be the disappointment? So we have four different questions. We'll give an answer to each when one. You, the disappointment is like team Could disapp- be team, player, doesn't matter. Just okay. who you think the biggest disappointment is going to be. Okay. Um, Let's start with disappointment. Okay. Um, I'm going to say that the California Angels, or I mean the Los Angeles Angels, will probably be the, the biggest disappointment. They have... So much talent, yeah. But they never. I mean, they, I mean, they can't make the play. Now they might make the playoffs this year because they've expanded the playoffs again because of the shortened season. But with Otani and Trout and Rendon, and they've signed all these pitchers. I mean, they signed Noah Syndergaard, who hasn't pitched in two. Who years. hasn't pitched in two years, and I don't look for him to do anything. Right. I think it's another one of those teams that could compete for that division. Yep. And won't. Again, because they always wind up getting injured, and just it just never it never comes together. I'm gonna th- go with the same state, but I'm gonna go with San Diego Padres. I think they're gonna continue to be a disappointment. All the talent that they have, yeah. Um, of course, they've lost Tatis to start the year, yep. who might be one of the best players in baseball, and, and might not play this year. Um, I mean, he's had at least four months. And then you got the pitching stats that they do, and. They're just – I mean, you're going to look up and it's going to be the Giants. They've spent the a lot again. of money and traded a lot of people. But, yeah, the Giants are always money. The, the Giants are money. And, 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 and Los Angeles got stronger, you know, the in Dodgers, pitching and then added Freeman at first base. The Dodgers are, have, oh. have, have only gotten better. I know your, I know your heart went yeah. on that one. Yeah. Uh, the Dodgers have only gotten better. Um, I just – it's, it's – it, the Dodgers are going to win the division probably, and then the Giants are going to yeah. be second. I, it would not surprise me for the Padres to end the year as the third seed. Right. Anything less than first first place in the West with the lineup the, the lineup and roster that they have built is a disappointment. Yeah. So, I think for those reasons, the Padres are my biggest disappointment. Yeah. I, 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 I almost want to say the Reds, but they've already been disappointing. Well, I mean, they've traded away their whole team. The season hasn't even started. The one thing I will say about Freddie Freeman, I loved Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman was my second favorite Braves player behind Chipper Jones, Mm -hmm. right? He just was a heart and soul. I am not mad at Atlanta for what they did, right? Freddie's older. He wanted to get paid. Mm -hmm. Atlanta took some of their young talent out of the minor leagues, that probably wasn't going to be around anytime soon because we're in a win now right. situation with Atlanta. They just come off the win in the World Series. They traded that talent to Oakland for Matt Olson, mm-hmm. who's a left-handed power hitter, first baseman, younger, mm-hmm. and less money mm-hmm. for more years. Right. So it was a win. It was for a very smart move for Atlanta. Right. We got younger. We, we probably got stronger because, I mean, Freddie didn't hit 40-plus home runs. Right. And he, he did that in Oakland. Right. I mean, he's probably going to hit 45-plus in Atlanta. It's a hitter-friendly ballpark. And I think Freddie signed for five or six years. We got Olsen for eight years for less money. Right. I mean, no right. brainer. Right. I'm sorry, Freddie. Thank you for getting us a right. And I think, I think, and I will love you forever. He will, Matt Olson. Welcome to the team. He will forever go down in Atlanta lore. Yes, um, because he he hung with Atlanta during some very lean years. He did. 
And, so. and he had a very down 2020. He got COVID, was super sick, struggled coming out of the gate. And then he came back and won MVP. Won MVP. I mean, it, so. I mean, yeah. And he had a great year last year, and we don't win the World Series without him. Right. So, Cy Young. In both leagues? I, I'm, uh, yes, we can do both leagues. I think um, I think Bieber bounces back in Cleveland this year okay. and wins the Cy Young there. In the National League, I'm thinking Walker Bueller with the Dodgers. I'm going to go Garrett Cole. That's my guy in the American League. I think now that they've had time to adjust to the sticky – the sticky substance that they outlawed midseason last year. Yeah, which cost a lot of guys. I mean, that was part of the reason why I lost to Grom and Bieber. Well, I mean, and Tyler, Tyler Glass now. Yeah, uh, the first game. Who would have probably won the Cy Young. Yeah. Maybe competed for the MVP last year. He was having that good a year. Yeah. Um, Tommy Johns. So, I'm going Garrett Cole in the American League. I'm going to go with you, Darvish. Wow. While I think San Diego's going to struggle – I don't think you, Darvish, will. Yeah. So he'll have to have a little bit of a bounce back on. He that. will, and I, th- I think, I think he's too good of a pitcher. I almost went with Max Scherzer until we remember that he went to the New York Mets, and that's where pitchers go to die. die. Yeah. So, and they're going to pitch him till his arm falls off. So, and he's already starting on the hour. So, uh, those are my two picks. I'm going to go with Garrett Cole and you, Darvish. What about MVP? American League. I think the guy you have on your shirt. Manages to overtake Otani this year. Okay. Otani had a phenomenal year last year. I cannot believe that that he's going to have that type of season again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think Vlad Jr. wins the American League MVP. National League wise, I'm I'm going to say Bryce Harper. Again, it's funny. My National League MVP is also Bryce Harper. Yeah, I think the Phillies are poised to make a huge splash this year. I think they're going to be really good if their pitching can hold up. Yeah, um, they're going to need Wheeler to continue dealing. Yeah, uh, they're going to need Nola to bounce back. Yeah, and they're going to need Kyle Gibson to be like he was last year. Yeah, um, when he came over in the trade, he kind of stunk it up. Yeah. So they're going to need him to get back to his Texas form. Uh, so I'm, too, going to go Bryce Harper. In the American League, I'm actually going to go with the team that I think is going to win the World Series. And he was just acquired. I'm going to go with Trevor Story for the Boston Red Sox. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. That'll be a good uh, – that'd be interesting to see that. So – and then that leads us in, I think the Boston Red Sox are going to beat the Philadelphia Phillies in the World Series. So, I told you the other day that I that we wanted I wanted to do some sort of a form of this at the end of this show, right? Mm-hmm. In St. Louis this year, mm-hmm. Pujols has come home. Mm-hmm. He's retiring after this year. Yep. Yadier Molina is retiring after this year. Yep. And Adam Wainwright is retiring after this year. Yep. I don't. I don't have a shadow of doubt that the St. Louis Cardinals don't win the World Series this year. They have no competition in the Central. No, the Central's dead. 
I mean, the the Brewers are the closest thing to it. Mm-hmm. They are absolutely going to run roughshaw over the Central Division. They are. It won't even be close. They are. The Reds might be 50 games behind them at one point. Yeah, they could be. I like the Boston pick. I do. I really like what Seattle has done. Mm-hmm. Seattle's been has been um, like quiet. Yeah, building. But they've put together a nice pitching staff. Mm-hmm. They've got some youth that's coming to play. I don't know that they're enough to beat the Houston Astros again. I think the Astros are back. So I think the Astros are back against the Cardinals, but the Cardinals win. Cool. And the only reason I say that is, is it's a, it's a storybook ending. Do I want to see the Cardinals win? No, I want my Braves to be back. Right. I think we take a little bit of a dip. Are well, we overperformed in the playoffs. But I mean, year? you know how hard it is out of all sports. Baseball's the toughest to repeat in. Right. Right. Um it would be the storybook ending for all of those guys. I mean, because I all, mean, they won all those World Series together. Yachty's a Hall of Famer, first ballot. They all three are. Pujols, first ballot. Yeah. And, I mean, Wainwright is a Hall of Famer. Yeah. I don't know that he'll get in first ballot, right. but he's a Hall of Famer. So there's three Hall of Famers that have given their heart and soul. To the city of St. Louis. To the city of St. Louis. Well, I mean, Pujols left for the money. He did. but I And, mean, and he, I think he regretted it. And, I, and he was never the same when yeah. he went yeah. to L.A. Um, so I think I think that would be a storybook ending. Yeah. So yep. you're going with the Cardinals over the Astros. I got Red Sox over the Phillies. Yep. Yep. So, hey, there's our first take on the Sports Center episode. We can talk about anything. We can talk about anything, and we're yep. going to prove that to you over the next couple weeks. Yep, for sure. So this was a fun show. I like it. Yep. Awesome, guys. We hope you enjoy it, and uh, we'll see you next week. Stay safe, friends. That wraps up today's episode. We want to say thanks to all of our listeners. Without you, none of this is possible. If you haven't had a chance yet, please go out and leave us a five-star review on your favorite platform. Make sure to check us out on Facebook at From Corner to Corner, on Twitter at Corner to Corner PC, and on TikTok at From Corner to Corner. You can always reach us on Facebook or on email corner to corner pc at gmail.com we love you all and we'll see you next time